business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 10 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to answer all the emails I've received over the last couple of months. I keep them aside. I try to reply to them when I can. But what I like to do from time to time is just to go back and answer them because clearly if one person is asking a question, there's quite a few people who have the same sort of query, especially if I see the same question coming up over and over and over again. And one of the challenges that we have is that our financial service system in South Africa is very, very advanced. You know, we, we very quick to criticize certain things when they don't work. But when it comes to financial services, when it comes to banking, when it comes to medical treatment, South Africa really holds their own with the rest of the world, if not better, in certain areas. And together with that comes complexity. So sometimes the best thing to do is to really just go back to step one, unpack it slowly, step by step, and take it from there. So we're going to break it up into four different segments. The first segment, we're going to be talking about medical aid because there's a lot of questions there. And if uh, questions come in while we're doing it, we might extend a little bit. The next section, we're talking about life cover. There seems to be a lot of confusion about term cover versus whole life cover. What does whole life cover mean? And all the policies that people have with cash values. The last section we're going to be talking about is taxability, tax deductibility, sorry, when it comes to retirement annuities, pensions, and providence. And together with that, and going on from that, is the term annuity, which is something that constantly causes confusion. It seems to be a generational thing. As people get, you know, people are older, they seem to know that the term means X, and younger people think it means Y. And let's just unpack it and how it did work, how it does work, and what is available for you when you retire. Let's start off with medical aid. The the first question I keep getting asked over and over again is about medical savings accounts. South African medical aid scenario is quite straightforward when it comes to companies. There's one predominant player in the market, and that's Discovery. Then there are a few smaller companies like FedHealth, Momentum, um, Bonitas. They're one or two companies that have gone belly up in the last short while, and they've been amalgamated with other companies. And now you are stuck trying to navigate this whole quagmire of where you stand and what it's all about. So let's talk generically about the way products work now. To say that Discovery was the pioneer when it came to separating medical benefits for in-hospital, that's otherwise being, that's what we consider to be booked in hospital, often with a pre-authorization code if it is an elective procedure and not an emergency or an emergency and then you stay on in hospital. As opposed to going into hospital to a day clinic or going into an emergency room or going to see a doctor. So the, the question arises, how does your medical savings account work? And again, here I'm going to be talking generically, just to give you an idea of what it, what it's all about. 
So let's take the beginning of the year. And again, the last two years have been an anomaly. The reason being is that some medical aid companies didn't change the pricing at the end of the previous year. So in January, you had your increase. They kept the same pricing from the previous year, increased it in April by a smaller amount than they usually would. And then some of them increased it again towards the end of 2022 and then again in 2023. So that played havoc with your medical savings accounts. And the reason for that being is like this. Let's just take round numbers, and these don't apply to any plan or any policy. I'm literally thumb-sucking these numbers. If your premium is 3,000 rand a month, and of that 3,000, 1,000 goes towards your medical savings, you will have 12,000 rand medical savings for the year. That's in a normal year where there's no change in premium. And now on the 1st of January, you've got 12,000 rands worth of medical savings in what we call a hospital plan with savings. So in other words, the savings are finite. There's a defined amount for the year. And when they're finished, they are finished. Yes, I can hear a lot of you screaming, but I've got something called a self-payment gap. And there's something called above thresholds and they should be paying. We're going to get to that. We'll get to that in a moment. Those are what we would refer to colloquially as full medical aids that have above threshold benefits. In other words, benefits that come out of the medical aids pot once you've finished your savings. But if you have a finite amount of savings, that's how the way, that's the way you start the, the year. Now, what a lot of people don't remember is when you took out your medical aid, there was a little box that you had to tick, a question that you had to answer. Do you want the medical aid to pay out the service provider, be it a doctor, a dentist, a specialist, glasses, whatever it is, at the medical aid rate? In other words, the rate that your particular medical aid has chosen for that procedure? Or do you want them to pay it out at the build amount and therefore it might deplete your savings even earlier? Let's give another example. You go to see a specialist, a medical specialist, a, a ophthalmologist, let's say, for example, and that particular doctor charges 2,000 rand for that consultation. The doctor kindly allows you to submit and then to pay afterwards, which is unusual. Often they'll want you to pay up front. Either way, you only get back 1,200 rand from that appointment. So if you have not paid and the doctor submitted, the doctor will then say you owe us, owe us 800 rand please pay it if the medical aid paid them directly. But these days, it's a very good chance to keep things simple, that if the medical aid does not have to pay the full bill, in other words, the bill that they're being billed for, they do not see it as that they will cover it in full. In other words, the full full 2,000 rand in this scenario, they will pay you, the member, the 1,200 rand. So now you've got 1,200 rand arriving in your account we often have no idea what it's for. And before you know, pick and pay, disc game, spa, and your other daily grocery and needs shopping has taken care of it. The, the specialist, ophthalmic surgeon, is now demanding 2,000 rand. And you vaguely remember getting 1,200 rand. But now you've got to fork out 2,000 rand for that expense. So just always be aware that if you are paying up front, and you get back 1,200 Rand, that's towards the 2,000. That's all you're going to get. 
And on the other hand, if you haven't paid at all, then you need to pay that over to the doctor plus the shortfall. There is a time, as I said earlier, when you tick that box where they'll pay the full 2,000 rand because it's your savings and you can basically dictate how it should work. So what often means is that there is an ability for the savings account to be depleted quicker because they're paying out the full amount and you can turn around after one or two appointments and a couple of blood tests and your medical aid, your medical aid savings, what they call the MSA, has been depleted. So in summary, your medical savings account is there to pay everything that does not happen in hospital. It just make sure that if you go to a doctor and you pay, that the amount that you get back might very well not match what you pay because your doctor charges above the rate. And number two, if you haven't paid, do not spend the money because you need to pay it over together with a potential shortfall that comes from, from not having covered um, the full bill of the doctor. We uh, we need to take a break and we still haven't got through almost anything. So I'm going to take a part of the second section to discuss it because I see people are asking about gap cover also. So let's discuss that. Craig, let's take a quick break. Let's run to the shops. And when we come back, we'll continue discussing medical aid and related items. This is RV on Business. Right. We discussed medical savings accounts before and how they work. Um, a lot of questions have now come in. I think we're going to be stuck on this uh, topic for a while. What happens if I leave the current plan that I am on and I downgrade to a plan without medical savings? Okay, let's deal with this one. This is often a major, major point of frustration. One can down the med- downgrade the medical aid. I don't like the term downgrade because it doesn't necessarily mean a downgrade, but um, one can move the medical aid plan during the year um, the logic is that you can go from a plan that offers more to a plan that offers less, but not from a plan that offers less to a plan that offers more. In other words, you can't decide during the year, oops, I'm on the wrong plan. I'm happy to pay more to get more benefits. That you're going to have to wait for the end of the year to happen. It did happen last year and maybe the year before where medical aids allowed changes during the year. But that was a COVID anomaly. It was a very strange scenario, unique set of circumstances. They don't happen all the time. Right. So you now have got your 12,000 Rand savings. It comes July and you haven't used a pen. So all 12,000 is there. You now downgrade to a plan that doesn't have savings and you're waiting for 12,000 Rand because it's often been said that's your money. You contributed and you can use it as you wish for it to now be put into your bank account. A week, two weeks, months, six weeks, and now you are seeding. And the threats start. I'm going to call the CEO, CEO, and I know this one, and I know that one, and where's my money, and the money's been stolen. Let's go back to step one and go through the procedure. Number one, you only get back the money that you have contributed towards. So if it's in July, that is seven months. Seven months at a thousand rand is seven thousand rand. The rest of the year you haven't paid for. The medical aid has, has advanced the money to you and made it available, but it's not there in cash. So if you move your medical aid plan to a plan that doesn't have savings, that savings will be available to you, but it takes three to five months for the money, money to be refunded. Why? 
First of all, that's just how long it takes. Um, the, the, the reason why it's not longer and not shorter, that's a discussion for another time. The practical reason is the medical aid is also waiting to see that no, no claims come in between the time that you sent in the notification to change it, the date it actually got changed, and the time that one could have seen a service provider in between. So it takes time for the cobwebs to come out the system. The money will be refunded to you, but one needs to be patient. You have a choice also not to get the money and to keep it there, so to have savings on a non-savings account and to dwindle it down as time goes by. That's entirely up to you. The same goes with a scenario where there are five members on the plan. And again, for example, simplicity, we're all contributing 3,000 rand, which means there are five, there's 5,000 rand, 1,000 times five, going towards savings. One person can deplete all those savings during the year. So there's 60,000 rand savings during the year. One member of the family can deplete it. And the question that's just come in, can we have different plan, different plans for one family under one policy number? And the answer is absolutely not. You cannot have that. So please just be careful of that. You cannot have um, mom on one plan, dad on another plan, kids on another plan, and one debit order with one policy number. Not going to work. What you can have is the following, which is actually quite interesting. A family, a mother and a father with two children. Children, a, a child A and child B. Child A is a sickly child. Child that has lots of claims, a child that needs to have a lot of um, dependence on the medical aid. And thank God, child B is absolutely fine and doesn't have um, a, a reliability on the medical aid. Maybe once a year for a snotty nose or a bit of a blocked chest or, uh, I don't know, a child related accident, uh, you know, a bang or a bruise. What you could do is you could have mother and father on two separate medical aids. So mom can go with child A onto a medical aid that is more comprehensive and dad can go with child B onto a medical aid that is simpler. But what you will then have is two separate medical aid policies with two separate policy numbers with two separate debit orders. They are entirely individual. Mom and child A, dad and child B. So yes, one can do that. And that is often done where um, you, you have a sickly member in the family, and that's how it goes from there. Right. I, I, there's a lot of questions coming in, but I just want to finish off, as I said in the beginning, to discuss about plans that have self-payment gaps and above thresholds. Let's use the classic example, the terminology that people are very comfortable with in South Africa, the plan classic comprehensive by discovery. So you've got classic comprehensive. You also have essential comprehensive, but the, when it comes to savings, they both work in exactly the same way, is that you have savings. Once our savings are depleted, if you're looking on the app or you're looking online or you're looking at the messages that you would get, your self-payment gap will constantly be updated, and it is a moving target. It, it'll tell you your potential, and we'll use the word potential um, in all communications, which means that it is flexible and changes depending on what you claim for, how you claim, how you pay. But what it does mean practically is that when your savings are depleted, you then have to go through your self-payment gap. In other words, that means you need to fund certain medical expenses from your own pocket and decrease and deplete your medical, your self-payment gap. 
let's use again just a random figure of 8,000 rand. You hit your self-payment gap in August. You need to spend 8,000 rands worth of related medical expenses to close your self-payment gap. And then you'll go into above threshold benefits. The example that I always like to give is glasses. Um, let's say, for example, a medical aid on a plan like Classic Comprehensive gives you 6,000 rand a year per member for glasses. And there's just one person in this medical aid. So Mr. Joe has now got 6,000 rand for glasses for the year. Comes August and he's depleted his savings. Now he wants to go and get glasses. So he goes to the palmistress. The palmistress says, right, your allowance is 6,000, but you're in your six, you're in your self-payment gap. Your self-payment gap is 4,000 rand. Therefore, discovery will give us 2,000 rand towards your glasses from the above threshold. Once you've paid the 4,000 to close the self-payment gap or the self-payment gap is closed by the client for other medical related issues, he now goes to the optometrist. The 6,000 rand will come from above threshold benefits. In other words, he won't have to lay money out. If you do the maths, paying from your savings, paying after savings, if you're on this plan, it all ends up being the same thing. The one means you just need to lay cash out, means other one if, if it's in your self-payment gap, and the other one doesn't. And uh, self-payment gaps have this uncanny way of arriving at a time where you just really need cover the most, and uh, the perfect storm seems to set itself up, and you've got to really cough up a lot of money often to uh, to close it. And once it's closed, you then go into above thresholds. There's a few questions coming through about the difference between essential and classic. Um, I'll get to that. I don't really want to spend too much time on that because it's company specific. Um, so I will talk generically about that. But what I do want to do is discuss gap cover. So the questions have varied during the year to do I need gap cover or is gap cover a waste of money, which is basically the same question, to the, to the question which company has the best gap cover and to the point that why did my gap cover not pay for X, Y, and Z? Gap cover is a very, very simple product. And once you understand what I like to refer to as the rules of engagement, in other words, how a product works, you will find your life will be a lot easier going forward. Your expectations will be in line with what the product's meant to deliver, and your frustration levels will really come down you won't be frustrated about things that you shouldn't be frustrated about. So let's get straight to the point. Gap cover is a product that is described and guided by law. It's not something that a company can just decide to put out in the market. It needs to fit certain legal criteria. And its basic function is to cover shortfalls in hospital. So let's give a classic example that maybe I feel most people can relate to. Having a baby. A couple going to have a baby and they go in and for whatever reason they're going to have a Caesar. So now we've got a certain costs. We've got the obstetrician, the gynecologist. We've got theater. We've got the um, person who's going to handle the anesthetist. Handle the anesthetic, the anesthetist. 
and we're going to handle have a doctor, a specialist who's going to handle the new baby, the the the, the pediatrician. So we've now got four specialists. Each one of those, we've got four bills. These three specialists in a hospital bill. Each 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 specialist can charge a rate he or he or she feels is correct to charge. They do, however, have an obligation to disclose that to you upfront. And often with your first meeting with the guy, he or she will say to you, I charge above the rates, and this is much a charge above the rates. So you know what you're in for. The anesthetist, unless it's a planned Caesar, you often don't have time to negotiate, and you might get caught underways there. Because on, on a plan like Classic Comprehensive, you'll, the, um, the rate is 200% of medical health rates. The doctor might charge anything up to 500%. In other words, more than double the rate. You now, um, your baby goes into ICU for a day or two. Your baby is now with you, with mom in the ward. Everything's great. You're going to be discharged tomorrow morning. Everything's going swimmingly and now the bulls are up. So you get a, a, a bull from the gynae and everything's covered. The reason being is you said to them, this is the plan I'm on. Are you happy with the plan? And he or she said, no, not really. But I understand you're a young couple. You don't have means. I'll accept the rate that the medical aid pays. And there was a negotiation that happened up front. The anesthetist charges 400% of medical health rates. So, for example, the rate was 8,000. They charged 12,000, 15,000. So much above. Medical aid didn't pay it to them. They might, they will pay you the balance, the, the shortfall. You now need to pay it together with the shortfall. Pediatrician is the same case. Um, they charge 300%, which is 100% above the rate. You've now got the shortfall. Medical aid will refund you as the member. You need to pay the anesthetist and the pediatrician the shortfall. So now you've got a new baby. Your last been turned on its head. And now you've got a whole accounting um, scenario to deal with. What does Gap Cover do? Gap Cover takes care of those shortfalls for you over and above the amounts that the normal medical aid pays. If you have an independent um, Gap Cover supplier, you will then need to submit to them the shortfalls. Often you will have to pay the doctor in the meantime because they often give you a short window of time to pay and the Gap Cover um, service provider will then pay you back what you laid out if it's within the parameters. And my experience has been speaking to a lot of people that they tend to be very, very happy with the supplier and the service provider, and they get their money back quite timelessly. Other companies where the gap cover is linked to the medical aid, they try to make it a seamless process. So when they pick up that there's a shortfall and they notice that you're on gap cover, they send the shortfall payment through to gap, gap pays it, and you don't need to worry about it. The question is, is it a good idea or is it a bad idea? And that's something that one cannot answer because it's, you know, generically. But I would say this. Gap cover is affordable. It's a couple of hundred rand, um, you know, for a family. If you're an older couple, an older person, it tends to be quite a lot more expensive. But if you're under the age of 50, it's really affordable. In South Africa, the medical care is brilliant. Not only that, not only that it's brilliant, but you also have really, really good medical aids that are quick and efficient. My answer to you would be that if you are somebody who tends to 
um, claim a lot on the medical aid for the extra couple of hundred rand. I would look at gap cover, understand what it's all about. And I would definitely go that way because it's just going to give you that extra level of protection together with the fact that some gap covers offer more than just the shortfall in hospital. They also offer certain cancer treatments and other benefits. So go have a look at it. The question I, um, I keep getting asked and I've seen it just come through again now is that my medical aid is now offering short-term um, gap cover. I've had gap cover that I've been very happy with. What should I do? Should I move? And the answer is that it is case specific. I would sit down, take emotion, put it on the side and look at the facts. And I can try to get a third person to help you with that because um, as we say in Jewish parlance, they're not Nagar Badova. They, they're not subjectively involved. They can look at it and say, here are the advantages in A, there are the advantages in B. In your scenario, I would move or I wouldn't move. And then you can make an informed decision. <clears throat> right. Just to um, touch on one more thing before we run out of time in this particular um, segment is the difference between the rates that the medical aid pays in hospital. This is something that I, please, I implore you to be careful about. Um, the scenario I often give is a good friend of ours, uh, one called in the medical aid with the first baby and listen to the wording. She said, I'm on this and this plan. Am I fully covered for having a baby in the hospital? The person on the line said, ma'am, you're on this and this plan. You're covered to the rate of 100% of the medical aid rates. She said, fantastic. Thank you. She then had a baby. She had to pay in 50% of the medical aid bill, of the bill that came. The medical aid only covered half. She then complained. She said, I checked. The guard told me I was 100% covered. The person's words were not, you are 100% covered. In other words, colloquially to say, you are fully covered. He said, you're covered to the rate of 100% of discovery health rates. In other words, whatever the rate is, only at 100%. So in a discovery scenario, that would be an essential plan. A classic plan is 200%. Gap cover would help you to get, in some cases, up to 500%. In most cases, up to 400%. So that's just the important thing to be aware there. And do not wake up, please, in August, when you're having your baby in September, that you need to upgrade. You know, sometimes things are unplanned, but if you think that's a possibility, make sure that your medical aid is the medical aid you're going to need in November the year before so you can be on the same plan. And again, husband and wife do not need to be on the same plan if you're worrying about cost and how that all works. Let's take a quick break, and when we move on, we are going to be talking about, I think I'm going to jump straight to to retirement savings because we took more time on medical aid than expected. Craig, it's all yours. This is RV on Business. Just to let you know, I was was in England over the weekend for the Mizrahi Inspiration Weekend, and I was sitting there talking to to a group of people. Um, A lot of them came from Israel, and uh, South Africa came up as it would. And High FM came up and someone turned around and said, you've got to listen to that radio station. That is most probably the most progressive professional radio station for the Jewish audience anywhere in the world. And I just sat there quite humbly listening to this person ranting on how brilliant High FM was. And it was just a really, really proud moment from 
humble beginnings to where Chai FM is today, where um, somebody can turn around and just say that it can hold its own with the best in the world, bearing in the mind that there are many, many Jewish radio stations, for example, in the States, and it's a really, really proud moment. Right, let's get into retirement savings. We're really running out of time, thanks to Zoom. But let's talk about tax deductibility. There is major, major confusion when it comes to this. It's a complicated story. I think we'll maybe do a whole show on it next week or the week after. But bearing in mind, bear in mind, sorry, that your pension fund, your provident fund, and your retirement annuity have deductibility attached to them. That simply means that what you contribute towards them within a range can be deducted from your total income to make the amount that you're going to be taxed on lower. So let's give an example. You earn 10,000 rand a month. You contribute 1,000 rand a month jointly towards a pension, a provident, and an RA. So let's say 500 rand towards a pension and a provident, 250 each, and 500 towards your own personal retirement annuity. Technically, what's going to happen at the end of the year, SARS will see it, that you earned 9,000 rand a month and not 10,000 rand. And they will tax you on 9,000 rand, not on 10,000 rand. I can hear you screaming, yes, but I need to pay it out in the meantime. Well, on your pension and provident fund, it gets deducted at work prior to you getting your money in your bank account, what we call your net salary. Yes, your retirement annuity, you will have to pay out. Sometimes you can go to your HR department and say, here's my certificate. I'm contributing towards retirement annuity. Please help me. And they will. But most times you're on your own on this one. And at the end of the year, your insurance company will send your tax certificate to SARS. SARS will then ask you for your own to validate the two match. And then it will be deductible. Those of you of you are doing your own SARS e-filing, you see that line there, retirement annuity fund contributions, and you put it in. Those of you who are not, please make sure that you give your accountant or bookkeeper or tax practitioner all the documentation that they need in order to do your taxes for you. I really want you to discuss annuity because that's something that's very, very important, but we seem to be running out of time. And I can see Craig looking at me, telling me to to wrap up. So what I'm going to do is we're going to roll this over next week. And next week we will discuss annuities, whether you're retiring, whether you're putting money towards retirement, how it works and what you're going to do. Get your questions in so we can answer them efficiently for you. I think we've got uh, 25 seconds left. So Craig, as always, thanks for running the show behind the scenes, pushing the buttons. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I will speak to you shortly.